بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم نحمده ونصلي على رسوله الكريم أما بعد أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم إذا زلزلت الأرض زلزالها إلى آخر الآية صدق الله العظيم Respected ulama kiram brothers and elders assalamu alaykum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh Alhamdulillah wa da fazlan karamahu Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala I was part of the Alimdar Foundation team which traveled to Turkey and Syria recently for the earthquake relief. And inshallah today I would like to share my experiences with you on the ground. That what exactly took place on the ground, what was the interactions with the people, and what lessons can us as South African Muslims and the whole Ummah learn from the crisis and the earthquakes which have hit Syria and Turkey. In a hadith of Nabi Kareem sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam has mentioned that Qiyamah will not take place until certain things take place before that. Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam then goes on and he lists those things which will take place before Qiyamah will take place. Number one, Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam mentions that knowledge will be taken away. That is, we Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala taking away the ulama kiram from, the, from this dunya. And if we look at the past decade or two, that how many scholars and ulama kiram have passed away. Then Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa mentions that earthquakes will become frequent. Again, if you look at the past decade or two, the current earthquake which has taken place in Turkey and Syria, we look before that, the, Turkey, the earthquakes which have taken place in Indonesia, the tsunamis which have been taking place in that part of the world as well, and various other parts of the world where earthquakes have taken place. So this is another point where Nabi sallallahu alayhi wasallam has mentioned, that when these things occur, then qiyamah will take place. Then Nabi sallallahu alayhi wasallam mentioned that time will pass by very quickly. Time will pass by very quickly. This is our daily and weekly and monthly complaint. Before you know it, it's Monday. Before you know it, it's weekend already. Before you know it, Ramadan is here, then Turban is here, and December will be here. And the weeks and the months and the years are going by so fast. Then Nabi Wasallam mentions that trials and tribulations will appear throughout the world. If you look at the Muslim world and the non-Muslim world, we find that everyone is suffering from some trial or tribulation throughout the world. Then Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa mentions that murders and wars will become common. If you look at in this country, murders are common. If you look at throughout the world, wars are taking place in the non-Muslim world and the Muslim world. And then lastly, Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa mentions that wealth will increase to such a point that it will be overflowing. That means people will have so much of wealth, countries will have so much of wealth, that it will be overflowing, there will be abundance in wealth. If you look at every single point that Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa has mentioned in this hadith, and Nabi sallallahu is telling us that Qiyamah will not take place until these things occur in the world, then Qiyamah will take place. You and I will agree that every single point mentioned in this hadith is already rife in this world. Every single point, there's no point we can say that we are waiting for this to occur. Whether it's abundance in wealth, whether there's wars, whether there's murders, whether there's earthquakes, whether knowledge is being taken away, every single point has already occurred. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows best, 
when will be the day of Qiyamah, but we are very close to that day. Respected brothers, I have limited time and to go into my, my report back and my experiences on the ground. We've heard a lot of things on the news, a lot of things on social media regarding the earthquakes, but I felt it important to interact with the people on the ground who were victims of the earthquake and speaking to the survivors on the ground and getting their kargozari and their reports of exactly what took place on that morning of Monday, the 6th of February. So they tell us that Monday, the 6th of February, obviously Sunday night before that, they all went to bed like normal. Like how you and I will go to bed every night with that assurance and guarantee and in the back of the mind that we are waking up the next morning. So they went to bed and to put you in the picture, the precise time when the first earthquake took place was at 4.17 a.m. Now if you look at the time and whilst we were there, the time of sunrise was around quarter past seven. So 4.17 a.m. would mean around the hundred time. So at 4.17 a.m., they described to us that for two minutes continuously, there was violent shaking of the buildings and of, and of the ground. Now two minutes may seem very short to you and I, but when you are in a calamity and when you are in an earthquake, those two minutes are like two hours. Some of the descriptions that the people gave us and was we thought that the day of Qiyamah was taking place. Those who lived in apartments or buildings, unfortunately, were too late to escape. Those who lived in one-story homes managed to escape and get onto the road, but then thereafter the road split into two. They also mentioned some very interesting facts that the color of the sky changed the color of the sky changed. And thereafter, whilst the earthquake was taking place, there was a loud screeching sound emanating from the ground. And this continued throughout the earthquake. And there were four earthquakes in total which hit that those areas. Every time an earthquake hit or a tremor hit, this noise and this sound will emanate from the ground. And it is a very uncomfortable noise that it caused a lot of fear in the people. This I heard not from one person, but multiple people who were victims and who were survivors of the earthquake. And they narrated and related the story to me. Many mentioned this, that the sky changed color, there was a noise, and there was violent shaking of the buildings. Now, it was not one building or one suburb or one community. But if you had to drive from one end to the other, you would drive four to five hours to see continuous collapsing and destructions of buildings. And when a building collapses, then you find it creates dust and sand. So even that complicated matters. And whilst all this was taking place, there was a snowstorm taking place in Syria and Turkey at that time, which uh, unfortunately complicated matters and complicated and delayed rescue missions. When I was there during the first week of the earthquake, at that time already, it was recorded there were, that there were 650 aftershocks. 650 aftershocks within the space of seven days. 
Today, if you look at the records and the stats, we find that there are 2,000 plus aftershocks have taken place since the first earthquake. Again, I wanted to verify the story. So I asked the people in the camps, that are you suffering from tremors or, you know, earthquakes which are taking place? And they'll tell me this morning there was a tremor. Last night there was a tremor. And these tremors are continuously carrying, being carried out. So these people, if you look at certain towns which, have, which haven't been affected by the earthquake, the people or the inhabitants of those towns are fearing to live in their apartments because what if they are next to, be, to, to suffer from an earthquake? So what, what we're finding now is towns which are intact, they have become ghost towns. And everyone now are living in tents outside their homes. Just to put you in the picture, the area where the earthquake has struck, and all four earthquakes struck in the very same areas, these are areas very close to the Syrian border. It's the southern tip of Turkey and the northern part of Syria. And we find that the, before the borders came up, this is the land of Sham. Where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala talks about the people of Sham and the land of Sham and the virtues of Sham in the Quran Sharif. Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam praises the people of Sham. He praises the land of Sham. And this is the very exact locations where the earthquake struck. All four earthquakes struck in the land of Sham. Not only that, these towns, Rehanli, Hatay, Gaziantep, Kahraman, Marash, Sanli, Urfa, these towns for the past 10 to 11 years played a very important role in terms of the Syrian relief efforts. We as Alimdad Foundation, personally for the past 11 years, I've been traveling to these very same towns we would base ourselves in these towns, we would eat in these towns, we would stay in these towns, we would strategize and coordinate our humanitarian efforts from these towns, we would use these towns as a gateway to enter Syria. So these towns played a very important role. The next point is that when the Syrian refugees escaped Syria and they sought refuge, many sought refuge in these towns. In fact, some of these towns Majority of the inhabitants of these towns are Syrian refugees. It is said and recorded that 25% of the deaths on the Turkish side were of Syrian refugees. Some amazing things we have come across in, during the past few days. And I've personally been to these towns where I stayed. Two weeks before the earthquake, I was in this town called Antakya. And the very same uh, accommodation we stayed at now no longer exists. The entire town of Antakya is destroyed. And an amazing fact that I came across and some ulama shared with me during the past few days that Allama Suyuti mentions in his kitab that during between the 3rd and the 4th century and between Antakya and Damascus, four to five earthquakes took place. Allah Masuyuti mentions this in his kitab that between the third and fourth century, in these very same towns, between Damascus and Antakya, it's mentioned, these town names are mentioned in the kitab, that four to five earthquakes took place. Now I want you to this, 
understand the similarities between those earthquakes and the earthquake which took place now. It is mentioned in the kitab that the people who survived those earthquakes mentioned that the sky changed color during those earthquakes. It is also mentioned they complained of a very uncomfortable noise during those earthquakes. It is mentioned that one of those earthquakes lasted for 40 days, meaning the tremors continued for 40 days. And lastly, another ajeeb fact is that those earthquakes took place between Rajab and Ramadan. If you look at all those things documented in the kitab, and the, the information that those survivors gave during that time, and if you look at the earthquakes which took place now, they're very, very similar. There's a famous person mentioned in the Quran, Habib Najjar in Surah Yasin. His tomb, his qabr, his masjid, you would find in the town of Antakya. Now you cannot even enter the town because it's a town uh, full of rubble. The question may arise, that why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has been testing these people of Sham continuously, whether it's earthquakes or whether it's uh, the wars which they've been taking place for the past 11 years. So there's a scientific reason which scientists give and will give the Islamic perspective as well. The scientific reason is that in this location, it has those tectonic plates and it's an intersection of three tectonic plates which cause earthquakes. And the intersection of the Anatolian, the African and Arabian tectonic plates meet in these locations. And these plates move continuously every single second at the speed in which your fingernail grows. In that speed, these plates move. You can research this on the net. And they would move continuously for 100 to 200 years. And whilst they're moving, they build up pressure to an extent when it goes to a boiling point and that causes an earthquake. This is the scientific reason of why this place has become volatile. But ulama mentioned the reason. Why are the people of Sham and especially in these areas being tested? As I mentioned, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala talks about the people of Sham. Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam has mentioned about the virtues of the people of Sham. Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam had instructed his sahaba kiram that to join the army of the people of Sham. If, if that's not possible, then join the army of Yemen. If that's not possible, then join the army of Iraq. Where there's been a lot of emphasis and a lot of virtues placed on the people of Sham. And Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam mentioned that these are the best people of the ummah. Now ulama mentioned for them to become the best people of ummah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala puts them through trials and tribulations so that he may elevate their status, so that they become and reach that maqam of the best of the ummah. That is what ulama kiram mentioned to us, and that is our belief that these are the best people of the ummah, they are the people of Sham, and it is only these people who can withhold and go through these kind of difficulties. The conditions of the Syrian people, as I mentioned to you, that for the past 10 to 11 years, many have been killed, many have lost their homes and families, and during the past 10 to 11 years, they were trying to rebuild their lives, even though they were living in tents between the Turkish and Syrian border in a buffer zone. But now unfortunately, 
as they were rebuilding in 10 years, 10 to 11 years have passed. Now with these earthquakes, they have fallen behind once again. The question arises, and many people have asked this question, Murana, which is more affected, Turkey or Syria? So the answer is very simple. The destruction is more on the Turkish side and less on the Syrian side. But there are more resources on the Turkish side and lesser resources on the Syrian side. And someone put it very, very appropriately that there was not much to be destroyed in the Syrian side because those buildings were already destroyed during the war. So it levels up. The people of Syria and Turkey are both in need. Just to wrap up in the last 10 minutes, inshallah, to give you some stories of what, what went through, what went, what the people experienced. And as I landed in Adana airport, there are a few airports. Hatay airport was destroyed. The, the, the runway was destroyed. It was inactive. Gaziantep airport was destroyed, inactive. The only airport which was active and, and, uh, uh, for us being able to land was Adana airport, which was four hours away from the destruction sites, but they did, they also felt the tremors. We landed in Adana airport, there was no accommodation, there were no meals, because of obviously of the earthquake, restaurants have been destroyed. So landing in Adana airport, uh, the next day we, we, we had to take a drive to the sites of destruction and to start our distribution of aid. And as we drove out of Adana, the, the area of Adana, and we drove through Hatay and Rehanli and through Gaziantep and Kahraman Marash and getting to the epicenter, you would find that there were ambulances rushing on the road. There were road closures uh, because of the road being split into two. There were people crying. There were people running across the road. There were people living in tents. Affluent people who had apartments and homes now had to live on the side of the road. Wallahi, with their family, whichever family survived, they were living with their families in the side of the road on the pavement in tents. These are normal people like you and I, who lost everything in two minutes. And we would find, and we saw with our own eyes, dead bodies lined up on the road, because obviously, there were so many hearses and ambulances required, that they couldn't see to every deceased at the same time. So they would pile up the bodies on the side of the road. And, and, and this, this scene was like a mini Qiyamah. That everyone running helter-skelter, people crying for their loved ones, uh, only destruction from one side to the other. We're not talking about a few buildings. What you seeing in the media or seeing the reading in the news does not do justice of what we saw exactly on the ground. I've been to many, uh, on, on many humanitarian uh, missions and I haven't seen something of this magnitude I've never seen destruction like this in my life they would find people sitting around rubbles now when I say rubbles they are they go stories high when buildings would collapse 15 20 story buildings obviously you would get rubble from those buildings now people would sit around the rubble whoever survived waiting for their loved ones to be rescued just to put you in a picture how the rescue mission works. You would find rescue teams would go onto the rubble, they would have special equipment uh, which picks up sound from the bottom of the rubble. They will have special canine dogs which will sniff and pinpoint exactly whether, where are the bodies located, whether they're dead or alive. So immediately when they hear any sound or the dog gives any hint of a body in the rubble, they would blow a whistle. And when they blow the whistle, everyone knows 
that everyone needs to remain silent. Even the, the, the drivers, the cars have to switch off their engines and there's total silence until the rescue workers go dig deep into the rubble and pull out those bodies. That, that is the, the process of the rescue mission. One incident which took place, our teams were near a rubble, the whistle was blown, everything had to stop and go at a halt. There was a, it's very difficult to give the age of this girl because of the reason I'm going to tell you. When this girl was pulled out of the rubble, she was dead, but her face was disfigured. Now how are you going to identify who's this girl? So they made multiple announcements that we have found a girl in the rubble, but we cannot identify her until they found that there was Mendy or Henna in her palm. So they used that as a means of identification and they started announcing that there's a certain girl we have found in the rubble and she has Mendy on her palm. Is this anyone's daughter or sister? And they made multiple announcements, but no one was coming forward to claim this body. And what was the reason for this? That her entire family, including her, were wiped out. Not only that, the ambulance came to pick this body up and take her to a Qabristan in Hatay province, which currently hosts or accommodates 40,000 unclaimed deceased bodies. 40,000 unclaimed deceased bodies, which means entire families were wiped out. That is why no one is claiming these bodies. So all they do is put a wooden stick on each cupboard, there's mass graves, just to say that there's a grave, there's a person buried here, they don't know the name, they don't know who's this person, where they're coming from, there's no family members, no identification. You can even go to this Kabristan and, and witness and see this. There was, to wrap up, I would, there's many things I would like to share with you, but just to wrap up some important things. One thing which uh, stuck to my mind uh, is... Picture yourself, Allah save us, that you are living in a building, an apartment, you're living in the first story or second story, 20 floors above you, crumbles to the ground, the slabs above you stack up on top of you, you are stranded, you are jammed, you are stuck, there's no food, there's no oxygen, there's no water, you cannot even move an inch. If you look at those pictures of the rubble, and you see it in real life, it's impossible to even move the rubble with your hands. You need those, those trucks to come and remove these rubbles. You cannot move it, that's how heavy it is. Now, one hour can you survive in the rubble, in that condition? Maybe three hours, ten hours, twenty-four hours. Okay, say three days we survive in that condition. Five days, one week. I was there on the fourteenth and fifteenth day. After the first earthquake, we were driving in the province of Hatay in the town called Rehanli. And they came across and pulled out a husband and wife alive on the 15th day after the earthquake. This is something I still cannot comprehend or fathom that how even, even after speaking to the doctors on the ground, they're taking out a husband and wife from the bottom of a rubble who, who, are under, who was under the rubble for 15 days with no oxygen, they stranded, they stuck, no food, no water to drink, and to pull them out out of 15 days is only the miracle of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala.
if medical also is not possible to come out alive from that. This was not one incident. There's multiple incidents like this where people were taken out even till, till yesterday. On the 23rd and 24th day, there were animals being rescued alive. And the doctors were saying, the vets were saying these animals are intact. Meaning not injured, not sick, nothing. This is only the qudrat and the miracle of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. To wrap up inshallah, one quick last story before I go into the lessons is that there was some, there was a, some news was being spread and I needed to verify this. There was a young child removed from the, from the rubble after two weeks and the child remained intact, smiling, hydrated. The rescue workers asked the child, how come you're in this condition? The child mentions that every day people in white would come and feed me. We had to verify the story obviously and I verified the story with multiple people on the ground. They told me this is a rare story, but 100% authentic. This is what we heard of. There were people who came out of the rubble, old men with tasbih in their hands. I can go on and give you the stories, but some lessons that we take out from this. Number one, the people mentioned that within two minutes of the, of the shaking, the violent shaking in the earthquake, from being givers of zakat, we became receivers of zakat in two minutes. There's no guarantee that the wealth we have tonight will have it tomorrow morning. The second thing is every night we go to sleep thinking we wake up, we'll wake up in the morning. Many went to sleep that Sunday night never to wake up again. The destruction that we witnessed and the scene that we witnessed was a lesson and a wake up call from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that the, the, the real day in the real earthquake is still going to take place and that day of Qiyamah will still, still take place here you still have rescue workers and rescue missions and aid organizations seeing for one another. On that day, everyone will worry about their own selves. And lastly, respected brothers, when these things take place in the world, we cannot say and we cannot make comments that this is an azab on those people. Rather, this is a sign from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and a wake-up call for the entire ummah. That we need to turn to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala by doing good a'mal and turn to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala with sincere repentance. Wa akhiru da'wana alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen.